0: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Soul Deep In. My name is Elizabeth Anna, and I am your host. Today, I bring a very special guest, Adrian Anna. He is my middle son, and uh, he's going to be sharing his experience uh, with COVID. He was diagnosed back in July of 2020, and it was a wild ride. Uh, We honestly thought like we might lose him and i still think to this day that covid saved him so even though it was a horrible experience uh it it brought to light something that i think we may have not had seen had uh covid not brought it out but i also think that if we had not pushed him to advocate for himself in the hospital if we wouldn't have had the right um friends that worked at the hospital that uh, helped guide it, like guide us to make sure that he was seen instead of continuing to be sent home every single time. He also would not have been here today to share the story. So it was a a very uh, eye-opening experience, one that made me realize that you are your biggest advocate when it comes to anything but your health, especially in our healthcare system. You know, uh, during the pandemic, it made sense. Nobody really knew what was going on or how to handle all of it. But everybody was kind of learning as they went. And uh, But on a day-to-day, sometimes I feel like I hear stories of people that go to the doctors and they get brushed off. You know yourself better than anybody. You know your body. And so and something's not right, you need to find the doctor that will take you seriously. So I think it's important to advocate for yourself and be your biggest advocate and uh and find the right doctor because that is so important the other part was uh how eye-opening it was to always kind of stay in the middle when it comes to how we express ourselves and our views about things when uh something hasn't touched us personally so i think that i've i feel like i've tend to be that way i try to be very uh Uh, stay in the gray when it comes to expressing uh, my views however I know that that's not always the case with myself I can sometimes fall into an extreme way of thinking and so if there's uh, you know one thing that this made me realize is how sometimes it's important for you to stay true to yourself 100% to your values to your beliefs but in the way you express that Sometimes I think it's very, uh, it can be very insensitive to somebody else's experience, especially if you're not, you don't know what somebody else's experience is. And I remember um, when we were in the midst of this, hearing, you know, people speak so like, I don't know, like saying, oh, this isn't real. And it's like, shit, it is real to us. So uh, knowing that I had friends that lost, you know, family members due to this it was very real to them so I get it I get it there there's a million conspiracies and I'm all for a good conspiracy theory but sometimes uh you know that that insensitivity it hits deep and when you're in the midst of it it it's even deeper um while I can uh, be a person who doesn't take things too personal because I get it people are people uh, it made me more aware of myself of how I express myself and I could, while I still believe that I can stay true to my beliefs, my values, I also think that I can do that while also being respectful of somebody else's. So uh, I hope that him being vulnerable and sharing his experience, uh, it, it opens up to maybe, you know, a part in your heart where you can say, that makes sense because I, our world seems to be functioning in extremes lately and it sucks because it's just one or the other and then I don't know everybody else is kind of in the middle going all right that's where I feel like I've landed when it comes to many things and so I truly truly hope that uh, you guys are you enjoy the episode and that you know it it, it tucks at your heart your heartstrings in the way that it did to mine and the fact that, you know, he is vulnerable in this and I think being vulnerable is brave. So thank you, Adrian, for being brave. I love you and I'm so happy that you decided to share with us today. As always, you can leave a comment on the episode or you can send an email. So love to hear from you guys and thank you again for listening. Hello, everybody. Today, I have with us here, Adrian Anna. Hello. He is my middle child, 21 years old, soon to be 22. And although I originally wanted to bring him on to talk about blended families, I thought it would be a really good idea to talk about his experience with COVID. So if you guys know us personally, you know it was not a fun one for him. I think it shocked all of us because... uh, there's times when I go back and I think about when he asked us about going to a party, and we were all trying to tell him we didn't think it was a good idea, but he was an adult. And we let him go to that party back in July of 2020. It wasn't supposed to be like, you know a small house party. They had just all graduated. And so we really didn't think, you know, I mean, obviously we were worried, but we didn't you know, think much of it. And now I look back and I'm like, it probably saved his life because I seriously think that whatever, apparently he had, well, why don't you tell us? Adrian, tell tell us about your experience with getting COVID.
1: Um, Well, it was, um, so basically it all started by me just going to one of my friends, uh, I think it was a birthday party and um, I mean, it was a super fun time. There were a ton of people there. This was like when I think COVID had just initially started or maybe like a month after it had just initially started. And I mean, it was a super fun time. And then I remember um, waking up the next morning and I felt a little sick and I was like, oh, maybe I'm just sick or something. (laughs) And then um, it just... It, I remember the first day after I woke up, it had. You, I'm gonna go into detail, like about. What everything. what I
0: really wanted you to cover was basically like, the experience of. You know having. Of having it. Having it, and then like, the not getting better, like just kind of because I think everybody always... like, we all thought like it really affected older people more seriously. We didn't really think you were healthy, mm-hmm. you were fit, like you would work out every single day. And so, the way it hit you, you know, and how your experience through it was
1: um okay, so yeah, so it was kind of like uh surreal almost. Um, I mean, I think I thought the same way you guys did i mean i I never thought it was going to hit as bad as it did. I mean, it was just like constant body shivers. Throughout the day, Um, super high fevers like 102, 103, 104 degree fevers, Um, headaches, nausea. I mean, you guys remember when I would try to eat, I'd take like two spoonfuls of like some spaghetti or mac and cheese. And then like five minutes later, I just throw it back up and I wasn't able to eat anything. So it was definitely a surreal experience. Um, I think the further I got into it, like the longer it began to last, I was like, so I think it lasted for like a week, two weeks. I think it was. It was more than that. Yeah. It was a while. It was like maybe a month or something, but, um, I just kept telling myself, I was like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to feel better. Tomorrow I'm going to feel better. And there were moments like, um, There were, like, spurs, little, like, 20-minute intervals maybe throughout all that time where I was like, oh, I feel better, I feel better. And then it would just come right back. So my fever would go down, and then I'd be like, oh, I feel better, I'm getting better. And then, like, an hour later, it would come back. And I think not being able to eat really added to it, definitely. Um... How about,
0: about like, the... Because I remember we we would have to send you to the hospital Mm -hmm. every single time, and then we weren't able to go in with you. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, you had just kind of turned 18, right? So it wasn't like you had been to the hospital alone ever. Yeah. And so how was that experience of having to communicate to them what you were feeling and then um, just being sent home constantly? Like, I know that was frustrating.
1: Well, yeah, it was definitely frustrating. I mean because it's like at the end of the day only you really know how you feel like what's going on in your body and i mean as good as those health healthcare professionals are like they can only work to the best of their ability and to the best that their equipment allows them to and especially during the pandemic like hospitals were just filled constantly and so they're trying to do their best job but at the same time they have so many people to look at that they're trying to work as quickly and efficiently as possible so if they scan you and they don't and they see something that they think is like not too crazy they'll just be like okay yeah you're just sick like it'll it'll pass and I remember going to the hospital like three times or something like that and they just kept telling me like oh yeah you're just sick you have COVID like it's bad obviously but I mean, it'll get better. Just rest, drink water, try to eat. And I'll just tell them, like, look, like, I can't eat. Like, I, I really can't do anything. I'm just, like, rotting in bed. And they um, would just keep sending me back home. And I think that them sending me, I think them sending me back home um, kind of worsened the effects. Not only physically, obviously, because I'm not getting treatment, but also mentally, because it's, like, at some point, It almost felt like, I mean, it was scary. Like, it almost felt like my life was kind of just fading away. And, like, I thought, I legitimately thought I was probably going to die. And um, just not being able to eat, not being able to, like, drink water. And it was during lockdown, so I couldn't talk to my friends. Like,
0: I mean, you were in your room for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I was just...
0: People would come visit him, and it was, like, through the window outside and... It was tough and I still remember the day that we finally thought like you were COVID free. Mm-hmm. Remember that we went and got you tested and then you came out of the room, we watched a movie and then we tried to walk with you around the neighborhood and you were out of breath. Yeah. So uh, I remember I called one my friend, the one that works at the hospital mm-hmm. and she had him go to, like she had him see, like like say that she was he was seeing a pulmonologist and it was you going to the hospital and saying that that doctor was seeing you that made them do the x-rays and see that you had a collapsed lung. Mm-hmm. And when they tested you, they said you were still positive, even though yeah. had we just, thought you were negative.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, that's
0: when you were hospitalized. And I think that was really tough for you.
1: That, yeah, that was definitely the hardest part about it, um, especially because the lockdown procedures that they had in the hospital, they wouldn't allow visitors. So, I mean, just being stuck in like a little room with a tiny TV, just like in bed. And I mean, at that point I had lost, like I had lost a ton of weight and they were trying to get me to eat and I just couldn't, I couldn't eat. I still couldn't eat because I mean, not only is hospital food horrible, but it's like, it just, nothing was appetizing. Like, I think that part of COVID also, um, didn't help. Cause my, at the end of the day, my body's trying to fight something that it doesn't have a uh, nutrition to fight, you know, like I'm supposed to be eating so that my body can like regain weight. Like, I think I had lost like 40 pounds by the time I had gone to the hospital and they were just trying to get me to eat stuff, but I couldn't. Cause like one, it wasn't appetizing and I didn't want to throw up after eating. So it was like, it was definitely tough. Um, And then they constantly checking my vitals. I wasn't able to sleep because they would wake me up like every they had to do blood uh, tests like every couple of hours. So I would be waking up like with hot sweats, like just drenched in sweat at like four o'clock in the morning or something. And they'd be trying to like stick me to take my blood to see different things. And I mean, (laughs) it definitely didn't make it better that they would mess up. I mean, I think I showed you guys pictures of it. Like they had stuck me like 12 times and they had to change nurses because some nurses like couldn't find my veins or you stuff think like part that. part of
0: that too was maybe that they were afraid? Because you had COVID, that I maybe mean, like they, they were more nervous, like doing these things that they were afraid that they were going to maybe, you know, get it. Because at that point, I still think it was fairly new and the hospital was definitely overrun with patients. Mm-hmm. And so... I think maybe that ha- that could have added to it, maybe the, you know.
1: I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, I I definitely felt weird, I guess you could say, being in the hospital. Um, I could definitely feel that the healthcare providers, when they would come into the room, that they were, like, they didn't really know how to deal with me. Like, they would constantly tell me, like, oh, like, I can't believe – you're as bad as you are, like, you're the youngest person in this hospital right now, and you have, like, really severe symptoms, and so it definitely felt like, not, it definitely felt like I didn't belong there, and that also didn't help, like, me mentally, like, I was, um, I remember I was crying a lot, because I was just alone, it's like, it's tough when, um, you're dealing with that sickness, like, you can't eat, you can't drink, You can't see your family, and, like, there's nothing you can do about it. I remember I asked them, like, oh, is there any possibility I can just, like, go outside for a second to, like, get some sun? And they were like, no, we're sorry. Like, because of COVID procedures, like, you can't leave the room. You have to stay in here. So it was, like, a week and a half of me just being in a room. And there was, like, one window, but the window wasn't even, like, out towards the street. It was just blocked by a building.
0: Remember when me and your dad were driving on the parking garage trying to find yeah. that window? We kept, because yeah. we couldn't see him, obviously, other only the, only through FaceTime. So we kept trying to see if we could find the window from the outside to see if maybe we could see him. But yeah. I don't think we were very... Yeah, good. they didn't.
1: I, I remember I would just wake up every morning, and i just see, like, construction workers on the roof. That's, like, the only other human interaction other than the... um than the the nurses and stuff that's the only human interaction that I had really um I mean it was just it was a really really tough time um it but I think it it's definitely made me more grateful for smaller things like I mean I definitely think um it's made me more patient it's made me more appreciative, like just being able to run and stuff like that. Like, I really am thankful for everything that I have because that kind of made me realize, like, how quickly everything really can just, like, disappear. Like, I legitimately thought I was going to die at some points. So it's like, you know, sometimes just taking a deep breath, like, just relaxing, being able to look at my phone without my eyes burning being able to talk without feeling out of breath um being able to smell things taste things eat a ton of food and not feel like i'm going to throw it up stuff like that like it's definitely made me more grateful and i do think it was like a horrible experience if there was another way that i could have avoided it um it's kind of hard for me to say whether i would want to or not but i definitely thank God that I was able to like survive it and that I didn't become bitter because of it because it was definitely a huge learning experience I think
0: because I I still believe sometimes that the abscess was there and that COVID kind of accelerated it because Adrian had a a liver abscess And it got infected. And through that infection was where he started to get worse. So I feel like COVID exposed this, accelerated it to get worse. But maybe had it not been for COVID, right? Maybe the abscess would have slowly gotten worse on its own. And we would have not known about it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I believe that as horrible as that experience was, it was also something that brought to light something that could have easily maybe been worse because I had that had that liver abscess you know just sat there and gotten worse and maybe you would have ignored you know maybe the symptoms wouldn't have been as bad Mm -hmm. you know it could have turned into something without us even realizing that it was there so sometimes I like to think that maybe it's a way I make myself feel better as a parent like we let him go to that party he ended up getting sick there we almost lost him but it also could have been something that it saved your life because mm-hmm. maybe we wouldn't have known that that was there because i think sometimes especially when you guys like i see andres i see you like and, and jeremy like sometimes the moment you're adults and we're not the ones taking you to your doctor if you don't make your appointments to go to your doctor then you you're not go. getting checked up yeah, right yeah. like like i truly think sometimes like that adult part is like it's all on you mm-hmm. and i feel like you guys are less likely to do it i feel you've been really good at it because of what happened to you, yeah definitely. so uh i I still believe that a part of it was definitely um a good thing. Mm-hmm. I know that there's also been you know there as much as like yes, you've gotten a lot from it and appreciate things, there have been things that you feel have you know impacted you negatively, right? I think the isolation, the being away from everybody, all those things mm-hmm. you know have definitely not helped you, so what do you what do you? What do you say, like what are you doing about those things? Like once you become aware of it? Like what are you doing to overcome them? Or what have you done to overcome them?
1: Um Well definitely a negative thing that I can think about COVID that it's kind of stuck with me still, even after like I think two years it's been, um, is being okay four years, three years? Oh, is being okay being isolated. Cause it's like I don't really think most people have been through, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like cheesy or anything, but I don't really think people have been through what I've been through in the sense of being alone with only your thoughts for that long. And it definitely can tell you a lot about yourself and, I think a negative thing that kind of came from it was me being okay, being isolated. Like I feel, I don't feel abnormal um, if I stay in my room like all day. Like that's not something that like I can do that very easily. And I think that's definitely something that I have to work on. Like I have to become aware and it's kind of hard to become aware of something that you're doing subconsciously because you don't really realize there's a problem until maybe either somebody spots it out or until, like, you snap out of it. So it's, like, that's definitely a thing that I'm trying to work on. Um, I mean, just by, like, going outside of my room or going outside of the house. And with school now, it definitely helps me getting out of the house and stuff like that. Um, so but you
0: find comfort in isolation?
1: I'm, yeah, I mean, because it's, like... In the beginning of COVID, when I was just alone, it was very frustrating because I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't play video games with my friends. I couldn't talk on the phone because I was always out of breath. So I was just alone with my thoughts. And at first, I felt like I was going crazy. But then after some time, you know, your body accommodates to it. It adjusts and it gets used to it. And so it's very easy to just... It's very easy for me to just be, like, present but not present, if that makes sense.
0: You disassociate.
1: Yeah, it was like a defense mechanism I had subconsciously created, my mind had created, um, to not have to deal with the problem, which was being alone. So it's very easy for me to um, be alone, but not feel, feel alone and be present because of, I mean, what happened. So that's definitely so you're
0: saying su- that that also happens when you're with other people or you in like subconsciously disassociate with the present moment. Yeah, like and kind of isolate. I,
1: I think, um, which I mean, it does. It, it definitely sucks. Um, but I'm more comfortable. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people can say the same thing, but I'm more comfortable, um, being alone than I am being with my friends and it kind of sucks because I remember I used to look forward to being with my friends hanging out with them but it's like um it's something I have to fight with now to push myself to go out and even when I'm out with people and I'm talking with them and I'm having a fun time it's very easy for me to like some people call it um I think it's anxiety no no no, I think it's called like uh, code switching or something like that. Some I forgot what it's called. There's a, there's a word for it, but it's basically like you can flip a switch and then turn into a different person to accommodate your scenarios or it's your a- surroundings. Adapting. Yeah. Yeah, the social adapt. Adaptation. So like I can I can be like a very happy like outgoing. You can pretend. Yeah, uh, it's very easy to pretend because it's like I know how to I When I was alone, that's all I thought about. All I thought about was hanging out with my friends. All I thought about was laughing with people, you know, doing stuff with them. So it's very easy for me to um, flip that switch sometimes and be that person that I used to be, even though I don't really feel like that inside, you know?
0: So what are you doing to match the pretending with actually wanting or or actually feeling that way inside? Like what, what can you do or what have you done? to do
1: that I think uh something that I've been trying to do now is just like be more real because it like okay let's say I'm having a conversation with you right it's very easy for me to let's say we're talking and you say something that you think is funny and you start smiling I'm gonna start smiling naturally that's my reaction because I'm matching your mirroring I'm mirroring you yeah it's people enjoy people who like common things So if I pretend like I like the same things you do, I laugh at the same things you do, we're gonna get along. And that's a lot easier for me to do than to not laugh, disagree, than to not laugh, you know? That's
0: you being real, authentic authentic to
1: yourself. So I think me trying to be more real, me not always smiling, not always laughing, me saying what's actually on my mind, stuff like that. It's stuff that I try to do now more than I've been doing to try help to fight you it.
0: Bring more awareness to the fact that you genuinely don't find something funny or that like it's hard for you to find joy in moments. Like is it that you genuinely like you're not you're not trying to mirror people because you're not trying to fit in, right? But does that make you more aware of the fact that when you the fact that you were pretending to do that or does it also make you aware of the fact that maybe there's a part of you that just doesn't find joy in things that maybe you used to find joy in before?
1: I mean, maybe it can be a little bit of both. Um, but I think it more stems from the fact that um, when I was alone, I didn't want to be alone. And the way that I f- fought that was by uh, being a people pleaser, you know? I don't want to be alone, so I'm going to get along with you so I don't have to be alone. If I get along with you, then that's somebody else I can talk to, you know, and that's um, another person that can kind of distract me from being alone. So it's like it's hard to come to terms with the fact that you're not going to get along with everybody and you kind of have to be true to yourself, even if that means you have to be alone because it was tough. Um, because I mean, again, I didn't get to talk to any of my friends and there was some other personal issues I had with my friends at the time that kind of separated me from them. So that kind of exacerbated the problem of being alone already to another level. So, um, definitely just trying to be more okay with myself, with who I am and not trying to conform to what other people want me to be is something that I struggle with still, but it's definitely something I'm trying to work on more.
0: Okay. Uh, I know I covered a lot of these questions. Uh, How could we as parents, I know that there's a few things that you definitely have voiced, but how could we as uh, your parents have done a better job of helping you transition back into the world after you got healthy (laughs) because i know how you feel about this
1: yeah i mean i have you talked about it
0: at all no not on the podcast
1: okay well so for people who may not know um after i had finished getting um starting to get better from covid
0: because i mean i guess you should heat when you had the liver abscess yeah you had to have um a pick line a pick line? So, okay, so, okay, uh, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll say it. So when I had the liver abscess, um, I don't know if it was specific to the liver abscess itself or specific to maybe how severe my condition was with the abscess, but they basically had to stick two tubes in me um, in order to drain it because it wouldn't naturally go away through antibiotics like it normally would with another with other people who have abscesses that are smaller in size. So the first tube they had to stick in me was into my liver, and that tube was connected to a bag, and so all of the gunk and the pus and all that nasty stuff that was in my liver was getting drained into a bag that I would have to, like, periodically empty into the toilet or container or something like that. And then the second... uh, the second uh, tube, or whatever you call it, that they had to insert into me was uh, a pick line, if anybody knows what that is. But it was basically a small, very thin, thin tube that went through my bicep, um, through my chest, to my heart. And it was basically to um, administer antibiotics through that tube, straight to my heart, to distribute it better throughout my body as a more um, aggressive way to fight the abscess um, what were we talking about
0: we, uh, so I wanted to oh, to oh oh I remember this I remember so that, and you did that the antibiotics were six weeks we yeah do it every day at the same exact time yeah right?
1: and and the thing about also another bad thing about um, the pick line is that it's very you feel it as soon as it starts it was a syringe okay so basically there was a, a tube with a hole that you would cover. And then whenever I had to get administered the antibiotic, you uncover the hole, you put a syringe through the hole, and you slowly push in the antibiotics through the hole to my heart. Um, The thing about that is you feel it immediately. It's not like a pill that you take, and it takes a little bit for you to feel better. Like I feel it going through my body, like distributing itself through my body, and it made me feel horrible. And it would happen, I mean, I had to administer, I think it was like twice a day. Was it twice a day? I think it was. Or once a day. I remember,
0: I think it was one time a day, but it had to be at the same time every day. So we had a nurse that came over and kind of showed us how to do it, and then we would do it on our own, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, at that that time, um, when I would get it administered, I would feel horrible. And it would last for like an hour, two hours. It was just like a burning sensation throughout my body, fatigue. And I just felt like lazy, like just tired, basically, for like a couple hours every day. And it was just me sitting on the couch, just like watching The Walking Dead. And just like I did, because there wasn't much else I could do, um, because I couldn't do any physical activity. I couldn't sweat. Uh, when I had to shower, I had to wrap myself up. I had to wrap myself up every time I took a shower. So it was just like living life was just a hassle. Like it was it was not enjoyable for a while. It was like it was not enjoyable at all. Um, but then after I had eventually gotten better and they took out. Um, it was like October, right? Yeah. Actually, a, an amazing thing that I will say about the process was that um, I had gotten a scan because after some time they had scanned me to see if I The abscess was gone. And um, when I went to go get scanned, they said, oh, yeah, there's still a little bit of the abscess left in a deeper part of your liver. So you're going to have to get a procedure to get a longer tube to go deeper into your liver to get the remaining stuff out. And an amazing thing I will say about that is that that same day that they had planned for me to get the longer tube, when the doctors had actually examined my body, um, they said it was all gone. As, like, obviously in contrast to what the other doctor said where there was more, I was like, this is a miracle. Like, (laughs) thank God. Literally, thank God. And so they just ripped it out. They just ripped out. They literally ripped out the tube for me. It felt super weird. It's like, I don't even know how to explain the feeling of getting the tube ripped out, but it was just weird. I don't really remember if it was painful. Maybe like a little burning sensation because they had to yank it out really quick, but... It didn't really hurt that bad, and then um, a couple days after I had gotten better, or after they had taken the tube out, I think it was, like, three days after I had gotten taken the tube out, my dad walked into my room, and he's like, come on, you got to go to work, and I was like, what? Like, are you serious right now? And he was like, yeah, you got to go to work, and I was like, dude, you can't be serious. Like, I've been a couch potato for the past, like, two months, almost three months, like, you can't really expect me to do work. And, I mean, I argued with him for a while, obviously. Like, I, I didn't want to go to work, but he still forced me to. And so I went to work three days after. And I don't remember exactly what it was I did, but you own a restaurant, I'm sure. Well, during
0: that process, during the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. I took over. I, we decided to, the, my family restaurant was about to close. And I decided, Me and my me and your dad decided that... We were gonna save it and not let it close and so i quit my job took over the restaurant so our whole lives changed And then i started working at the restaurant and then um it was almost natural adrian didn't have a job yet just graduated he decided to take a year off college so we were just like oh he's gonna work at the restaurant but yeah um he has definitely communicated to us how us putting him to do that was extremely traumatizing and as much as like we argued it for a while like i think that sometimes it's important to understand that his experience just because we may not have seen it that way that's genuinely how he experienced it it felt traumatizing to him because he hadn't even processed the fact that he finally was free (laughs) you know and like and all of a sudden now he's being put to work somewhere that he genuinely didn't (laughs) want to go and so um that's why i kind of wanted to ask that question because uh, you know other than that though that experience is there anything else i guess that as parents, because I think it was kind of traumatizing for us too, um, but then when we knew you were going to get better, it was almost like, okay, that, and I think that the, sometimes, like, that mentality, and I know your dad thinks like this, right? Like, let's like just, that's it, like, let's just move mm-hmm. forward. Let's, let's not even think about anything bad anymore. Let's just continue to move forward, and sometimes not stopping and allowing, you know, to process emotions and, you know, everything, yeah. like, it, it, it just makes you push, a, push things forward and not really feel anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. that was one of the reasons mainly that I didn't want to do it so soon. Um, I mean, looking back at it, I can't really say whether it helped me or didn't um, because it was a lot to process at the time. I mean, it's like, it's like going to school for the first time. Basically, it's I hadn't had any human real human interaction with the outside world for so long. Um, Going back to it was it was just so many things you don't realize how many things go into social interactions. Um, But it's a lot like eye contact, body movement, just mannerisms that people have, the way that people talk, the way that people greet each other, say hi to each other, say bye to each other the way that people express themselves. um, It was a lot to try to accustom myself to again because I just wasn't used to it. I mean, I was just like trying to survive for a while that I kind of, it kind of went to the back of my head, all that stuff, like going to school and stuff and being, feeling normal around other people. I didn't feel like that anymore. So it was definitely really hard on I didn't even think my about mentality
0: also like the fact that like getting sick again maybe like being dealing with the public like yeah after having been isolated for so long how that may have also because I feel like a part of me also was kind of so wrapped up into what I was doing that I also didn't stop to think like how could this have negatively affected you but yeah, it must yeah. Have been a lot in that sense as well the fear of like getting sick again yeah. You know, after having just gotten better.
1: Yeah, I mean it was Yeah. It was definitely scary for me because I mean I couldn't I hadn't been able to do anything physical. So I was definitely I definitely thought of my body as weak. I thought I was weak. Um and that definitely didn't help because I mean
0: you are doing physical labor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean the first the first thing I started doing at the restaurant was bussing, which is Cleaning tables, dishes, stuff like that, and not doing any physical labor. I mean, busing is a hard job, regardless of what you think. Yeah, it's labor intensive Yeah, it's, and at that time, the restaurant was extremely busy, so it was like six hours, or sometimes more, maybe less, but most of the time, it was like six hours of me just cleaning tables all day, and... I would get bruises on my knees. I'd be sore the next day. I'd be like drenched in sweat in the middle of the restaurant, like during my shift. And um, it was just tough. It was, it was definitely tough, not only physically, but mentally. I didn't think I could do it. I was just like constantly looking forward to the end of the day because I was like, man, I just want to relax. I'm so tired. Like, I, I don't feel like I can do this. Like, it's just really really tough and um, I think it's kind of funny uh, how the whole situation kind of worked out because um, I definitely think there were a lot of negatives but there were also some positives that I got from it Um, I mean at first I just kind of like shunned away from it I was like I can't do this I can't do this I don't want to do this but then eventually I was like you have to do this like you don't have a choice you know And you have to get used to life. You have to get used to talking to people. You have to get used to being around people. So um, I would try, like, little things to try to make myself feel better. I mean, the David Goggins book, I would listen to that. I'd have little headphones in my ear listening to the David Goggins book, trying to, like, you know, Push push myself. Like, if this guy could do what he did, maybe it could help me feel better and feel stronger to do what I have to do. Um, but it was definitely a lot. I will say that.
0: Yeah. Looking back now, I could totally see it. I think yeah. I was also so, like I said, like I was so, r- like, busy. I became, I went from, like, working at home, doing an office job to all of a sudden owning a business and yeah. having no idea what the hell I was doing and then yeah. figuring it out as I went. And then I was so wrapped up into that. And I was just grateful that you were healthy and you were fine and you were going to live. And so it was almost like push, you know, push. Yeah. And so I... But looking back now, I can totally see how, you know, yeah, emotionally, physically, and all that aspect, how, you know, we didn't allow you the time to process. And, and yeah, I think there's pros and cons because sometimes if we would have given you time, you may have further isolated yourself, yeah. you know, like you may have not pushed yourself to do things and you may have mm-hmm. become even more comfortable, you know, but maybe we could have found a happy medium where we allowed you time to process and, you know, and so I think as parents, sometimes we want to push our kids You know to do better and to you know get better and to not focus on the negative that we don't stop to think like they all process things differently and we have to respect the fact that we should allow them space to be able to process that with the idea of okay you get i don't know two weeks two weeks and then after those two weeks you got to get back to life because otherwise then life is going to pass you by and you don't want that either yeah so um so out of the whole experience i I mean i know you kind of touched on the pros and the cons, but uh, how do you think, I don't know, how do you think this pandemic, or having COVID and the experience you had and everything, like, how do you think it changed your life for the better? How do you think it may have, you know, changed your life to where, you know, there's things that it brought maybe to light that now you, you know. Um,
1: Well, I definitely would say one thing that it did bring to light that I'll say before the other stuff is um, I didn't really realize, but I was a very selfish person, or at least I think so. Um, Before COVID, I think I was very, um, I, I think I was very much so like, I want this, I need this. If I don't get this, I'm not happy kind of stuff. And, um, other people may disagree, but I there were definitely moments in my life that um, I was not proud of, that I definitely took things for granted. Um, I think I'll say that most of all. I definitely took things for granted um, that I just didn't realize how great they were. Like, I mean... Like, for example? Like, playing basketball. I love playing basketball. Um, and I think I took that for granted. I remember... Uh, when I was in high school, every day after school, or more so middle school, but I remember every day after school would end, I'd go to the basketball courts in my school and I'd play with my friends for like three hours straight in the sun. And that was just something I was like, okay, it's the end of the day, time to go play basketball. I never really thought about it. Um, But now definitely looking back on it, I'm like so grateful for that time. And I'm more appreciative of The things that I have now and it's kind of like a positive and a negative because it's like I'm so appreciative of the things I have now it's kind of hard for me to enjoy it in the moment because I'm just thinking about wow I'm so grateful for this it doesn't really give me time to like let it saturate you know but um I think it's definitely changed me for the better I would say um like I said before I'm like super grateful for everything like I thank God every morning when I wake up. I thank God every morning when I get to go to sleep in my bed, uh, in a house with clothes and shoes, and I get to go to school. I get to have a car. I get to have a computer, a phone, you know, like a lot of things that you don't really think about. But it's like, man, especially in Miami, if you go to some of these areas, like especially like downtown, like there are people suffering. There are people wishing that they had what I had and I think that really helps me to remember what I have and to not take it for granted to be appreciative of it and just like being alive is a gift you know and it's something that I need to enjoy while I still have it and not let it pass me by before I realize it like way way in the future or something.
0: I think that answered both questions right cuz I was like what what is something that maybe came to light because mm-hmm. of this and I think like it's the same thing you know like learning to you know see and appreciate the things that sometimes it is very easy to wake up and take waking up for granted yeah. <laughs> you know we could not wake up and mm-hmm. so yeah just waking up in itself is something to be grateful for taking deep breaths you know after you yeah. struggled so much to walk the block you know like that that is something that a lot of us sometimes do take for granted because it's natural, it's automatic. We don't think about breathing. You don't consciously mm-hmm. breathe until you're actually trying to breathe. So um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your experience. Uh, yeah, it was fun, it was fun. I'm glad that you joined us. Maybe this will motivate Andres to <laughs> Uh and uh And I, I try to have one question. So I'm gonna do one question from here. Mm-hmm. I don't know, let's see and then we're supposed to both answer it. Okay. okay let's see. Uh, how do you define family beyond just being related? Get specific.
1: Um, family. It said, how do you define family beyond blood, right?
0: Beyond just being related. Beyond being related. Like, what does family mean to you?
1: Um, I mean, at its core, I really think family is a beautiful thing. I think we as humans, um, we need family. Like, and as cheesy as that sounds, I really do think that um, we need family. And I think a family can really be better defined as um, a couple of things. I would have to say it's definitely... Somebody who looks out for you, somebody who looks out for your best interests, Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's somebody who loves you. Because I feel like family, to love somebody doesn't mean that you love them as family. I think more so it's being loyal to somebody in the sense that even if I hate you, even if I'm upset at you, um, I'm still going to help you out. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to be there for you, you know. Um, I think it's definitely that. I think loyalty, um, looking out for your best interest, and I would definitely say just being real because that's definitely something that is hard to find, um, you know, it's so easy for somebody to act one way with you, and then after they finish talking to you, they're like, man, I hate that guy, you know? Um, so just being real, I definitely think is another important part of that.
0: Yeah, I would say for me, family, what I've learned is like that. It's being able to be really vulnerable with each other, like being able to like, let each other see like, the darkest, you know, the things that we don't want anybody else to see, but being able to allow each other to really be seen and then... Love each other through that, which means mm-hmm. that even when you are angry at each other or even when one person annoys the other, like to be real even in that emotion, like I'm pissed at you right now, don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like you do to me <laughs> sometimes, and I do to you, right. and i like I' say that because I remember when we first when me and your dad first got married. Mm-hmm wanting so much for you to like me <laughs> that I would like say yes to anything you ask me. Oh, you want water? You want this? And I remember thinking, am I ever going to be able to tell him <laughs> no? Like, I, I want to be real with him. And I, uh-huh. I, like I always say, I don't remember when it happened, but like I was so happy when I started to be like, like no, I don't want to give you this. Go get it yourself. Because to me, that, that means family. That, no. that is like, there's no, there's no pretending anymore. And that is real connection for me. Yeah. And it can happen with. It doesn't have to be blood. It it can be, it can be friends. It can be you know. Obviously, we're blended, and but to me, you're you're my kid. Like it doesn't matter. Like I, I am 100% real with you, and you're 100% real with me, and we don't pretend. And to me, that is more important than anything. So yeah. So thank you for not pretending today. For sharing. <laughs> For being vulnerable and for, you know, letting everybody know how your experience was. I think a lot of times with COVID, there was so much misconception. And I feel like if it didn't really, you know, affect you personally, it was so easy to just think of it as like, this isn't real.
1: Yeah. A lot of people thought it was fake.
0: Yeah. And so like for some people, it was definitely very real. And I think that. A lot of times with anything, whether it's a sickness or with anything in life, if you're not touched by it, if you're not affected by it, it's so easy to just think one way. And I think it's important to hear different experiences, different perspectives, because we're, we're all different and we all experience life differently. And I think that that helps us be able to be more understanding and compassionate towards other people and what they may be going through. So thank you so much. And see you guys or hear you guys or talk to you guys next Tuesday. Bye.
1: Bye.